Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. As you've probably been hearing uh, during the week on this station, uh, last week myself and producer Ashley Moore spent all of last week in Kiev because obviously this is uh, this Friday is the first anniversary of the full scale invasion and this Saturday <clears throat> excuse me this Saturday a year ago Russian troops reached the edge of the city and that was a shock uh, to Kiev to the residents of Kiev and certainly when we were there we got a distinct sense that they are, are nowhere near uh, getting over that now uh, life there is People are attempting to live normally, but balancing that uh, with a bit of caution. They're still going about their business. The, the street lights there uh, were re- repaired in December. So at night time, it looks ki- kind of normal, even though there's still uh, a curfew in place. Everybody has to be off the streets by 11 a.m. But you could still feel a growing sense of anxiety there uh, last week in the build up to this week. Now, the week we were there... There were uh, seven or eight alerts that that, that that we experienced, but it was relatively calm. That The Friday before we arrived, people had been in shelters for seven hours because there'd been a full-scale uh, rocket attack. So it, it can vary from week to week. And, and the people who live in Kiev, people who live in Ukraine, never know what each day uh, is going to be uh, it's going to be like. One of the alerts that we experienced uh, came uh, during the middle of the night, which apparently is very unusual. That hasn't really happened before. And a lot of key even as we were spoken to, speaking to, I kind of thought maybe that's an indication of what might be to come uh, over the next few uh, few days and weeks. And when we left Kiev uh, last Friday, uh, that anxiety took physical uh, shape in the sense that we caught to get out of Kiev to explain that you can't fly into the country. Of course, you have to take a train. Uh, over the Polish border. Now, that takes all night because these are incredibly long distances we're talking about. Uh, but the train we took was actually one of dozens. There was essentially a convoy of trains out of Poland last Friday night. And when we got uh, close to the Polish border, our train was stuck in a queue of trains. We were actually six hours late uh, getting in because Polish passport control was pretty much overwhelmed uh, with Ukrainians uh, getting in there. And once you get over the border, as I said to Pat Kenny earlier on, uh, the amount of military presence in Poland uh, is very striking. Uh, now, so, but for the people who are there now, uh, a normal part of their day is is dealing with these alerts. Sometimes there's no alerts. Sometimes there's a dozen of them. Sometimes there's one or two. Uh, and also, as I was saying to Pat earlier on, the metro system in Kiev. Uh, is much used not just as a form of transport but as a shelter. Now we happen to be uh, in the metro station when an alert went off. She was telling that it is. Uh, she was telling that it is air alarm now. Which stations working, which station don't work? You can stay here and hide in a subway while air alarm is on. And you can see outside how people already uh, having chairs. They come with some snacks to uh, with chairs to be here while the siren alarm on. Now, as soon as that alert sounds in a metro station, the gates go up and everyone's uh, uh, let in for free. And during the first days of the attack on Kiev, where there was something like 60,000 people uh, living in those metros, uh, they also shut the doors because the doors were built 
uh, to withstand chemical or nuclear attacks, though uh, they were open for about 20 minutes every day because a lot of people, families went down there, but they also brought their pets down there. And uh, so for 20 minutes a day, they would open the doors and police would come to the doors and walk people's pets outside, their dogs or their cats or whatever, where hopefully uh, these animals were so well trained they'd know when to go for a pee uh, and a bit of a, uh, a run around outside. Uh, so, like, if you're in a metro station, you hear that kind of an alert. And there are the traditional sirens that you'd expect, but it's a, it's the 21st century. So uh, most of the alerts, and there are alerts, are, are also broadcast on, on uh, all the tradition, on radio and TV and all the rest of it. But most people get their alerts on their phone. Now, it's inter- I'm not too sure how they, they did this, but we were getting alerts on our phone. We didn't download an app or anything like that. It just seems to know there's a new phone in the country. So uh, it tells you. So this is uh, what the clip sounds like when you get the warning. Was, uh, obviously that was we were in the metro station when uh, that uh, warning came on now you might be wondering why it's in English uh, and that's partially because Kiev is essentially a, bilang- a bilingual uh, city everything is in English and Ukrainian there but also of who they got to do the voice for that alert now here's you get an, when, when the air raid uh, warning is over you get a second announcement this is it attention the air alert is over May the force be with you. Attention. The air alert is over. May the force be with you. Yeah, it's Mark Hamill. They actually got to do it. So that's why... Now, we did interview the guy who's in charge of the alert system, and I did ask him, are you all Star Wars fans? And he kind of shrugged in a, we don't know how that got there kind of a way. I'm, there's probably some copyright issue uh, associated with it, but I doubt if they're going to pursue that. Uh, anyway, it was just kind of... And that, the fact that Mark Hamill does the air raid alert for people to run out of the way of bombs is kind of slightly surreal. And there was that, there was a sense of it, the whole thing being surreal. It's a city at war, but the shops are open. It has excellent restaurants. We visited many of them. Uh, we went to a comedy gig. We went to a music gig. Uh, and, but y- you also got the very strong impression that the people living there, they need that normality. And, and it had been said to us that, uh, it became the pattern that whenever a bomb fell and there was damage done, that people would go out in the streets to clean it up as quickly as possible because they wanted things to be back as soon as possible uh, um, or as, as normal as they could make it, if you like. And we visited many bombed out uh, uh, homes and we were told, well, it's being cleaned up now. Uh, now, <laughs> you and I, that wouldn't look cleaned up. Uh, but I suppose they need that to, you know, to, to, to deal with that shock uh, that I was uh, um, uh, talking about. They need things to seem as normal as possible. Plus, they also need to talk about uh, their experiences. They really needed to vent uh, about what had happened to them or what had happened uh, to the people that they knew. And now we, and we will play you a clip of that now in just a second. One of the places we visit on the outskirts of Kiev is a place called Burajanka. Now, Kievans, there's a well-established joke in, in Kiev now that uh, the only suburb that got mentioned by the international press is Bucha because Bucha is the easiest one to pronounce. Uh, but when we went to Burajanka, which is actually quite cl- close uh, to Bucha, it's still wrecked. 
destroyed buildings, mostly homes, are absolutely everywhere. And that's had a knock-on effect on everything else. In Burajanka, there used to be three schools. Two of the schools were flattened. The existing school has about had about 500 pupils. Now it has 1,700 pupils. Now that's pupils from the other schools that were destroyed and the kids of families uh, who were evacuated from other parts of Ukraine. Because not a thing we'd actually considered before we went there. Like every other European country, Ukraine, true, is struggling to house people. Now, we did see an example of modular housing there. That came from Poland. And what the Polish did, now apart from taking in uh, millions of refugees themselves... They converted shipping containers, you know, that you'd see in the back of a truck or on, or on ships. They put in doors and windows, insulated them, put in plumbing and had electricity installed. Then they, they're shipped to a site. They're all bolted together. And so what you have is quite a sizable building. Each family has a room. There's a communal kitchen, play area for the kids, shower facilities, etc., etc. Now, not a dream home or anything like that, but a safe, warm, secure environment that were put together rather quickly, I would have thought, in weeks uh, and it's interesting that they could do that so quickly rather than in this country. We've had a year of faffing about it. Uh, anyway, in Burajanka, there's a, an apartment building uh, that collapsed due to repeated shelling. Now, it became quite famous because uh, Zelensky uh, recorded a video uh, in front of it. And part of the reason is it became so famous is partially because it's such a stark image. Uh, but also because the people who lived in that apartment building, when the shelling was going on, they took re- uh, shelter in the basement Uh, And the basement survived. They actually uh, survived the shelling. But because the Russian troops prevented any rescue attempts, they died there. So just across the road from that apartment block, uh, humanitarian aid is handed out. And there we met uh, a woman called Lena, very dignified woman who, as she told us, was still wearing the clothes she left her apartment in a year before. So we asked her how she heard that her home had been destroyed. Uh, I was uh, evacuated uh, from that building two days before uh, the rocket totally destroyed this building. Why? Because uh, my brothers who are living uh, not so far away from here, uh, they start to call me uh, that uh, please run away. Of course, I I didn't want to be evacuated, but uh, they forced me. I said, okay, and in the night at 11 o'clock, I grab uh, some uh, clothes and run uh, to private house to my brother who is living here near. And my son was staying in my flat. So uh, neighbors uh, also stayed. Later, they... Uh, they were thinking that it was bad decision to stay. And uh, once in the night, in the nearest day, I received call in two o'clock in night, calls from my neighbors. They told me, uh, where are you, son? Uh, because our house is burning. Call him, tell him to run. And uh, in the night, everything was good. He came uh, and they were all together in that private house of brother. And... Um, then in the night they heard three uh, big bombs and before that they there was hearing a heavy very heavy planes in the sky and uh, a lady explaining that you can identify that this plane is heavy and it's nothing good in this they knew from uh, how heavy the sound from the uh, plane that it will be something bad 
And when did you find out that her home had been destroyed? Як ви дізналися, що ваш а тепер продовжую, продовжую. Потім почали ми вранці, ми почали збиратися швидко. Neighbors called me about my son, where is my son, at 2 o'clock in the night, and he uh, ran and come to us. In the morning I told my son, uh, go and grab uh, at least money that I hide, because uh, she was ru- when she was running, she hide money, because she thought they will come back. And the son calling then around eight o'clock uh, in the morning, Mom, there is no our house anymore. And uh, it's, she feels very pity because neighbors who called to save her son, they died. They waiting evacuation till the morning. Uh, in, at 7.30, there was a message from them that our our house uh, damaged and we going out but maybe they will not able and they stayed there under ruins i'm very sorry for your loss мені дуже шкода чути про ваших сусідів I have, I have dreams about them. For me, it's very hard uh, this. Uh, remember, I were pity my neighbors. It was young uh, lady, daughter and uh, mother. And uh, they uh, half it's question of uh, half an hour. And they they saved my son, but they didn't run away by themselves. So in the night... The the house was just burning in the morning plane put uh, heavy rockets on it. Найцінніше хочу сказати, що тоже втратила, це ж розумієте, втратила оці фотографії. Ручна робота, вишивки, оці всі, оці всі дипломи. It's uh, very heavy for me also uh, that we lost uh, photographs and handmade uh, which we collected all our life. My heart not paying uh, so much uh, for uh, flat like for that uh, pieces of uh, memory which I cannot uh, rebuild uh, anymore. I'm explaining that uh, I have friends uh, from uh, Donetsk region. Uh, they've eight years. They constantly tell me that uh, they don't have any memory. And first, what I took with myself when I was evacuated, except money, it was photos. I saved all photos because I knew from them that uh, it's the most important. And that, and that actually was um, a sentiment that we heard from uh, many, many people uh, who, un, and that woman, Lena, uh, knew to do it, but so many of the people that we did talk to, uh, and they volunteered this. I never actually asked anybody this question, but they all said, I wish I'd taken photographs because the house is gone, so... I suppose to an extent there and an awful lot of people they don't know how their house will ever be rebuilt they were private homes and you can't get insurance for that kind of thing but they really wish they'd brought photographs with them because it felt a bit like their past uh, had been extinguished as well Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.